Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Wow, that's uh, quite an introduction. I, I didn't pay for that much, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, we are so grateful to have an opportunity to come back to Liberty Baptist Church. My wife, Marcy, is here with me. Marcy, would you please stand? Uh, thank the Lord for a good wife. And I, I have to tell you, uh, this is one of those churches where I come and I preach on missions, and before I even start, I know that this church has a heart for the things that we're going to be talking about, and that is so exciting. You have proved that in so many ways, and I'm very, very grateful for all that Liberty Baptist Church has done. Um, I hope you got tonight one of these little booklets. It looks like this, and uh, I don't know, does that mean I'm supposed to stop already? Okay. <laughs> So there should be a booklet like this, and if you'll open that up, on the inside, there's actually a handout, and that's going to be our notes for the message tonight, so that might help you to follow along as we begin to look at this tonight. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. In 1979, I was only eight years old, it was prior to my ninth birthday, and my dad came and spoke to us in our little church in Tepoztlan, Mexico. And he said, church, we have an exciting opportunity that's going to happen in six weeks. We're going to have a missionary come and visit us. Well, we'd never had a missionary visit our church. I mean, there was only like 30 of us. And we were so excited. And dad said, this missionary is going to fly all the way from El Salvador to Mexico to be with us in a conference. Wow, we, I'd never met anybody from El Salvador. I thought that was just the greatest thing in the world. And then he said, we're going to pay for his plane ticket. We're going to put him in a hotel. We're going to feed him good food. We're going to give him a love offering. We're going to take care of him. We were all excited. You know, we're a little tiny church. And then he said something that just shocked all of us. And he said, and I don't have the money to pay for all this. We're like, well, how are we going to do it? And he said, you, church, you're going to give it. So today, he said, I have these little 3 by 5 cards. Now they weren't printed up. They weren't anything flashy or showy. Just plain 3 by 5 cards. He said, I want you to write on there how much money you will bring six weeks from today to help us to pay for all of the needs of this missionary. I want you to make a promise to God, and he explained what he was going to do. So we all got the little cards, and I was all excited, you know, and I'm sitting back there. Now, I sat on the back row, okay, where some of these people sit, uh, because my job was to help take care of all the drunks. Um, I, that, was my, that was my ministry. Uh, it was a drunk ministry, because next to the church, there was a bar, and when people go to the bar, they, they get drunk sometimes. I don't know if y'all heard about that here in Vegas. But um, so they would come in, and they'd stagger in the auditorium, 
and there were the bright lights and the loud, you know, microphone and the preaching and the singing and all that. And so they'd come in and they're like, what on earth is going on? And so my job was to help them go back down those 13 treacherous steps that led up into the auditorium so that we wouldn't have a drunk die on our steps of the church because that just looks bad in a newspaper. You know, drunk dies on the steps of a church trying to leave. Um, that, that wouldn't be good. So that was my ministry. And as I sat back there, I thought, well, I could give... 200 pesos. Now back then the peso was about 12 pesos and 50 cents to a dollar. So that was, you know, what, about uh, uh, say 16 bucks and I was so excited I was going to give 200 pesos. So I wrote down 200 pesos on there, put it in the offering. We go home that afternoon and I asked my dad that evening, I said, Dad, did you see my card? And he said, oh yeah, Bill, that was great. He said, 200 pesos. And I said, yeah, so when do you think you'll give that to me? And he said, well, that's not the way it works. He said, you're the one that made that promise, so you've got to come up with that money. Well, I'd never thought of that before. How on earth am I going to come up with money? And Dad said, well, you should sell lemonade. And so I, we had four trees at the house, and I went and made lemonade, put it in an igloo, you know, those five-gallon things. You've probably seen them before with the red lid. And um, so I, I made lemonade, and I went out on our street, Bajada del Club in Cuernavaca, and I'd start to yell at all the people coming by, lemonade, limonada, limonada, peso, and I, I was selling lemonade. Well, I, I didn't do very well, and so then at the age of eight, I discovered the art of marketing. Marketing is very important. I had a little sister, uh, still have a sister, her name is Jennifer, she was one year old. Now, she had blonde hair like you can't imagine, blue eyes, chubby little cheeks, and I took her and put her on a chair next to where I was out there on the street and all of a sudden I had customers okay people were driving by they'd stop look at that little cute little girl and they'd get out what are you doing I'm selling lemonade well here give me a, a glass of lemonade oh look she's so hot she's sweating I said yes would you like to buy her a cup of lemonade and they would and they would and so we, we learned about how to sell, and then my mom made some cookies one day, and I told her, well, I want to take my cookies and see if I can sell them along with the lemonade. Well, they were chocolate chip cookies, and I mean fresh homemade chocolate chip cookies. What's not to like about that? And so I began to sell the cookies, and my other siblings helped me, my brother, my other sister. There were only four of us at the time, and we started selling lemonade like crazy during those six weeks. And at the end, we took all the money that we'd gathered together and we gave it in the offering. But it wasn't $16. The four of us, under the age of eight, gave 200 American dollars. We gave 2,500 pesos as an offering to help the missionary. Tonight, I'd like to speak to you on faith promise. And one of the things that sometimes people tell me is, well, Brother Bill... I just can't afford to do that. And tonight I want to show to you from the Word of God that really as a Christian, you can't afford not to because God is going to bless faith promise. So with that in mind, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. I'll begin reading in verse number 1. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. 
lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, having, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ." and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that as we tonight study your word, that you would enable us to understand the truth that we're going to look at, and Lord, that our hearts would be challenged. I pray that you would help us tonight to understand truth that perhaps we had not noticed before. And Lord, help us to also make a commitment to do that which is your will for our life. Lord, not something that is driven by emotion, but rather by faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tonight, I would like for us to take this little uh, handout that you have, and if you would, get a pen ready, and I'm going to give you all of the information that's lacking in the blanks. Um, I'm one of those OCD kind of people. You know, I hate it when I miss a blank. So if you miss a blank, come see me after the service, and uh, I will be very happy to help you out. Faith promise is a biblical method for accomplishing a divine command to take the gospel to every person on earth. Now, I think I'm clicking this, but it's not moving. So it may be turned off. It's on now. Okay, let's see here. Oh, it didn't move again. I'm, I'm trying to click it, so it must be clicking from above. Thank you, Pastor Tice. Technology and missionaries sometimes don't mix. I have the same problem. Oh, there you go. All right, let me see if I can go back. There we go. Oh, it's working. Look at that. Faith promise is a biblical method for accomplishing a divine command to take the gospel to every person on earth. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to start here in first, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, and I want you to go verse by verse with me through some of the information that we're going to look at, and I think you'll understand what faith promise is all about. See, God has given us a command to take the gospel to every creature all over earth. The problem is we can't physically go to all of those places. And so what happened here in Second Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is that there was an offering given by a church that was in Macedonia, specifically Philippi, and they sent this offering to Jerusalem because there were saints in Jerusalem who were going to take the gospel to other places, and so in order to help them accomplish that 
desire, they uh, gave this offering, and it was to help those saints accomplish God's will. So what we find here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 is kind of a, a retelling of that story. Let's begin in verse number 12. The Bible says, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by, the th by many thanksgivings unto God. So the first thing that I'd like for you to see is that we find some saints who were in need. All right? Saints who were in need. I want you to jump back to verse number one. It says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. So here we see that it was a gift to the saints. This was a gift that was given, a monetary gift that was given to the saints. Look it down in verse number five. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. So all we see here is that this was a bounty. It was a gift given out of generosity of other believers. This was not something that was kind of coerced. This was not something that was, you know, for, they weren't forced to give this gift. This was just a, a, a bountiful, generous gift that was given. Now, verse number 12, going back there, we see that those who received it were very grateful to God for his supply. Did you see what it says there in the latter part of verse number 12? It says, not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Now, this week, there are missionary families here who have needs. And some of those needs are going to be met. Some of you have already given money because you want to be a blessing to those missionary families. Some of you may give more funds uh, tonight or Sunday because you want to be a blessing to those missionary families. And then as they receive those gifts, can I tell you what's going to happen? They're going to be very thankful to God. They're going to go back to their room and they're going to say, Lord, wow, thank you because of what you have done. And so that's the way it happened here at this very first opportunity for faith promise. Now, we then see in verse number 13, it says, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. Now, I want you to notice that this was an experiment of ministering. It was an experiment Okay, you know what an experiment is? That's where you try to do something to see if it works out. So this was an experiment of ministering, but it showed an obedience. It showed a, a, a subjection to the gospel. This obedience to the gospel was shown by the way that they gave this gift. And so it was amazing what God did through this gift. I want you to look down in verses 13 and 14, the latter part of 13. It says, um, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. I want you to see here, letter F, that this was a liberal distribution which resulted in thanks or glorifying God and praying for those who were involved. You know, one of the things that happens when a missionary receives uh, his support, 
Um, most of the time we get like this report, you know, and it shows uh, Liberty Baptist Church, Las Vegas, Nevada, and they, they sent an offering. It's a monthly offering. And so we see that and we say, oh, Lord, thank you for Liberty Baptist Church. Thank you for Pastor Tice and for the people there who, who are supporting us financially. Uh, I know as a missionary, I pray for the churches that support us, and I'm very grateful to God for the churches that support us. Um, whenever that we've had a new church that suddenly sends us a letter and said, hey, we heard about your ministry. We think we want to start supporting you. Wow. Guess what, honey? God's answered prayer again. And so that is uh, exactly what was happening here. Um, I want you to notice that letter G, this was an extension of God's unspeakable gift. An extension of God's unspeakable gift. Notice what it says in verse number 15. It says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, how exactly did all this work? Well, let's jump back to verse number 2. In case you think I'm jumping all over the place, that's the way Greek logic is, okay? Greek logic doesn't go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It's more like 5, 8, 10, 12, 1, 3, 5. You know, it, it goes everywhere. So verse number 2. It says, For I know the forwardness of your mind, which I boast, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. So here we see that it provoked the zeal of others to desire to participate. So what the church in Philippi was doing now provoked other churches to say, hey, we heard what Philippi did, and they sent this offering off to Jerusalem, and we heard that God blessed them, so we want to be a part of things like that as well. And not only were they sending funds to Jerusalem, Philippi later on started sending funds to Paul. Yes, as a matter of fact, we read in, in the book of Philippians chapter number 4, when Paul wrote back to the church at Philippi, he said that they sent once and again to him while he was in Thessalonica. Now, if you remember the book of Acts, when it talks about his time in Thessalonica, he was only there for three Sabbath days. So basically, he was there just over two weeks. In two weeks' time, they sent him two different offerings. How far away was this? It was a six-hour walk. Okay, So they went over there and took him some money and, and some food probably and then came back and said, hey, he has more needs. And so they went again the next week as well. I mean, it was amazing uh, you know, to, to see what this church had done for the Apostle Paul. So what can we do? All right. Well, we need, look it down to verse number 13. Pardon me, verse number 3. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain on this behalf, that I said, ye may be ready. So Christians should prepare themselves to participate as they should be ready. Now, what does it mean to be ready? Well, to be ready means that when God speaks to your heart, you're ready right then to go ahead and take care of it. I have a friend in Virginia. Uh, he's not a wealthy man, but he does love the Lord very much. And he carries in his wallet with him always a $100 bill. Now, he does not consider that that money belongs to him. He considers that that money belongs to God. He is always ready. When God puts on his heart to give that money to someone, he does. Now, sometimes he gives it to a pastor or a missionary, but at times he's at Walmart and he sees a family who's struggling, and he says, hey, um, God just put on my heart to give you something. This is for you and he'll go up and give it to him. But he's always 
ready. He told me that when he gives that money away, he then goes to the bank, pulls out another $100 bill, and he's ready for the next time that God says, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Be ready. Has there ever been a time where God puts on your heart a desire to help someone, and you're like, man, I wish I had a $20 bill, you know, if maybe $100, you know, is a little beyond our level. And, boy, I wish I had a $20 bill. That would really be a blessing to them, but I just, I don't have any, I'm not ready. And so we should prepare, we should plan, we should be ready. Then the next thing we see here, letter J, is that those who participate will be rewarded according to their level of participation. Look at verse number 6, please. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Um, then we look down in verse number 7, and it says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So everyone should give according to the purpose of the heart. Um, notice that it says, every man. Everyone needs to give. This means the ladies, the men, the young people, the children. Uh, Pastor Tice said he was a student in college. Probably not a whole lot of extra money in your pocket at that time, Pastor Tice. But God put it on your heart to give it, and so he began to give it. I gave it as a little, as a little child. I started giving to Faith Promise Missions 44 years ago. That was a long time. And can I tell you that when you give to Faith Promise, God blesses you. And we see that everyone needs to be involved. Notice verse number 7, that this gift should be given willingly, not grudgingly. Uh, we're, we're not supposed to be grudging. If we're going to take part in this, do it because you want to. Don't, don't do it because you feel like somebody's forcing you to do this. Now, God is able to abundantly and bountifully bless us for that gift. Verse number 8 says, and God is able. Do you believe God's able? Amen. Yeah. God is able, it says here, to make all grace abound toward you. Now that word abound there, abundant, I, I think about some of the buffets. I went to a buffet with Dr. Tice one time here in Las Vegas. My, my father was here and uh, Pastor Lou Baldwin was here. This was many years ago in a conference. And there was this buffet that they took us to. And some of you have probably seen some buffets like this. I mean, it had everything you can imagine on there. You know, uh, I mean, you know, wow. I can't eat like I used to be able to eat. I, I sometimes wish I could. I look at some of the young men here, and I'm thinking some of you guys could just, like my dad used to say, pin your ears back and just eat, okay? I was 19 years old the first time I ever felt full. I had heard people tell about feeling full. I, I'd never felt that before. I remember when I was a student at PCC my freshman year, we had a, a, a pizza eating contest, and I ate two and a half large pizzas at a pizza hut, and then I finished it up with a dozen donuts at Krispy Kreme, and then we played soccer all night long, and I felt great. I, I loved it. But when I was 19 years old, I was eating one day, at, um, at a buffet, it was a Ryan's, maybe you've heard of Ryan's, and I went there, and I was eating, and in the middle of a bite, I suddenly felt this pain, and I thought, I don't think I can eat anymore, and then it hit me, that's what people mean when they say they're full, I'd never felt that, it was like, whoa, mind-blowing, you know, 
as a kid, as a young man growing up, my mom would say, okay, you've had enough. And uh, I was thinking, well, I'm still hungry, you know, but uh, it was enough, so I had to stop. But when, when God blesses abundantly, it's like that huge buffet. He just sets it out there and says, okay, boys, go for it. And wow, you know, that's what I think of when I read this verse. Now, God, letter in, supplies the needs of those who participate. Um, do you believe God's able to supply your needs? I have seen how God supplies our needs. God has supplied once and again and again and again. It's amazing. Um, back in 2011, my wife and I came back from Mongolia for a very short time. And to be quite honest with you, we had a desire to purchase a home so that we could have a permanent location that we could come back to as we would transition off the field or, you know, move around or whatever. Our kids kind of needed a little stability. Uh, one person asked my son one time, he's like, so where are you from? And my son thought about it for a second. He goes, uh, the hotel? Uh, because, you know, it's like, well, how do I answer this question? I was born in Mexico. I'm an American citizen, a Mexican citizen. I'm living in Mongolia, but I actually don't know anything about Mongolia because we just got there. I speak Hebrew, uh, and we only lived in Israel for a short I mean, this kid's mixed up. So we wanted to have a place for him. And I, I just was thinking about you know, trying to have a home for my family. And so over 19 years of marriage, we had saved up the money to try to buy a home. And so we had $5,000 in the bank. And as you know, that's plenty of money to buy a dollhouse, but not a normal house. And in Texas, prices are probably a little less than they are here in Las Vegas. And we were able to give a down payment. They accepted 5000 as a down payment towards a house. Well, we were trying to pay it off, and I'll just tell you, it was rough. We p made the payments for like six months, and then January came, and oh, I didn't know how we were going to make it. And a pastor called me and said, hey, listen, how, how's it going with your house payments? You know, what do you need? And I thought he was talking about, you know, for one payment, so I told him how much a payment would be. And he said, no, no, no. He said, what would it take to pay off the whole thing? And I said, well, it's like $83,000. And he said, okay. He said, well, I'll be praying about that. He, 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 he let me know the next day. He said, I talked to my wife, and uh, we've decided we're going to give you the $83,000. So I don't know if anybody's ever given you $83,000 before. Um, it's actually memorable. Like, it's hard to forget. And, and when I think about them, I am very grateful for that family, you know. Like, they're kind of on my permanent prayer list. Thank you, Lord. Um, that's kind of, you know, what happened there. And God gave us a home. I mean, can you imagine that? Just boom, like now we own a home. Wow, okay, that was really awesome. Do you realize that when we give to God, God has the ability to give back to us so much, it would blow our minds if we really thought all that God can do for us. And so the next thing I want you to see is the donors of faith promise. What were these people like? All right, for this, we're going to go to chapter number 8. All right, chapter number 8, verse number 1 starts out saying this. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, that means we make known to you, the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So here what we're going to see under the donors of, this, of, of the faith promise is that it was God's grace upon the churches. God's grace upon the churches. Now think about this for just a second. This method that we're talking about, we call it faith promise. This church probably calls it faith promise. A lot of churches call it faith promise. But in the Bible, you'll never find the phrase 
faith promise. What you find is this phrase, the grace of God upon the churches. So if this method is called grace in the Bible, then to participate in it is a grace. To not participate in it would be a disgrace. Do you follow what I'm saying there? So here we see God's grace upon the churches. I want God's grace upon my life. And so then we see that in verse number 2, it says how that in a great trial of affliction. We see that these people were in a great trial of affliction. Now, what kind of affliction was this? Were they being, you know, were they put in jail? Oh, no. The affliction was that although they were poor, they were very poor, they gave liberally. Now, how does that work? Look at verse number 3. Pardon me, the last part of verse number 2. It says, The great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, it's amazing to me, and I've seen this in so many places, even around the world, sometimes the most generous people don't have a whole lot. They, they don't have a whole lot of money. They don't have a whole lot of anything. And yet they are extremely generous. And so we find that the same thing was true here in this church in Macedonia, in Philippi. So what did they do? Well, they look down, please, in um, verse number 3. It says, for the, to their power, um, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So what they did was is they gave above what was thought to be their ability. They gave above what was thought to be their ability. Uh, they didn't just give what you would expect someone in their condition to be able to give. They gave way more. Well, how did this work out? Look at verse number uh, 4. It says, Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They begged for an opportunity to participate in this ministering to the saints. They were just begging. They were like, please let us help with this offering. We want to do something. Please allow us to be a part of this. I remember once when I was in India and I preached in a deaf church. And most of the people in that church made less than $20 a month, Pastor Tice. $20 a month was their salary. They gave their pastor $10 a month as his salary for being their pastor. And when I went and preached there, they had prepared a love offering for us that was equivalent to one month of the pastor's salary. They gave us $10. Wow. That was one of the hardest love offerings I've ever accepted. These people were so very, very poor. They were oppressed in India. They were rejected by most of society. Most people didn't even want to look at them. And yet these people, out of their love for God, wanted to do something. And the pastor, with tears in his eyes, he said, Brother Bill, please don't reject this gift. Our people have been saving. They are so excited to give this to you. You see, that's the way these people were. Now, how did it happen? Well, first, they gave themselves to the Lord. Look at verse number 5. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So the first thing they did was they gave themselves to the Lord. Now, when you give yourself to the Lord, then that means everything you have and everything I have, if we give ourselves to God, then that also belongs to the Lord. Well, the second thing they did is they gave themselves to the servants of God. They said, okay, well, if, if we now belong to God and these are servants of God, so everything we have is also for you. 
Um, my wife and I have some friends that love us very dearly out in Ohio. They have a room in their home where we stay very often. I go out there to teach in a college. And this room is actually our room. Uh, they, they went and bought a bed. They called me and they said, Bill, what kind of a bed do you and your wife like to sleep on? And I said, well, why is that? And they said, this room is yours. Uh, we're, we, we have money. We want to buy a bed. Uh, it's not for anybody else. We may have somebody stay in that room if you're not there, but this room is for you. He's told me, he said, you don't need to ask if you can come. You just need to let me know when you're coming and it's going to be ready for you. He said, this is, this is your room. His three children, they have other rooms in the house where they go and stay quite often, but they, his own kids know that's the Patterson's room. In that same church, there's a man who keeps a car. He said, Bill, I don't need this car. It's not my wife's car. We don't need this car. He said, this is yours. He said, you call me when you're coming, and I'll have it ready. And he gets it washed, and he fills it up with gas, and he has it ready for me at the airport when I come in. It's mine. I drive it wherever I want to. And he said, this is yours. That's what these people were saying. They gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to the missionary. Now watch this, and this is what's amazing, okay? All of this was according to the will of God. You see, everything these people did was according to God's will. Giving themselves to the Lord, giving out of their poverty, being liberal, all of that was according to God's will. Wow. That's humbling, folks. It really is. Now, I want you to just consider a few things about faith promise. First of all, we're going to talk about the opportunity of faith promise here. This is a personal decision. Every single person needs to pray about your part, okay? Um, we're not going to take up the faith promise offering tonight. We're going to take that up on Sunday, as I understand it. And um, the decision is a personal decision. So between now and Sunday, I'd like to ask you to commit to doing something, to pray. And just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, maybe you already have a figure in mind. You may be thinking about what you did last year and say, okay, on the basis of what I was doing, this is what I think I'm going to do this year. But I'm going to ask you to pray about it. Now, sometimes God might actually have you lower that, and, and that's, that's okay if that's God's will. And sometimes God may have you increase it. But what I am asking you to do is that make this decision a very personal decision. Don't do it because so-and-so is going to do a certain thing. You do what you believe God wants you to do. Secondly, this is a yearly decision. So this is a commitment for one year. Uh, this isn't for the rest of your life. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of our life, but we do make a commitment for a year, just like you'd go down and take out payments on buying something. It'd be kind of the same idea. I want you to notice that this is a faith-based decision. This is a faith-based decision. This is not based on emotion. Uh, this is not based on, you know, what your friend does. This is what you really believe God wants you to do. And then this is also a financial decision. And yes, this is going to affect your finances. Um, the Bible talks about uh, giving out of what God has given to us. Look at verse number 12 of chapter 8. It says, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. And so uh, you're, the idea here is not to go down to the bank and take out a loan so you can give your faith promise. Uh, I know a guy out in Georgia who thought that would be a good idea. He went out, Pastor, and took out a loan for $100,000 and then gave it in the offering. He said, this is my tithe. And he says, now, God, uh, you need to give me the $1 million because I've already tithed on it. 
and uh, then I'll replay the loan, and then I'll have some extra money. Uh, that's not the way it is. It's not about manipulating God, okay? We, we need to give out of what God gives to us. And then the next thing we see is that this is a rewarded decision. Pardon me, this is a blessed decision. The next one is rewarded. Anyway, you can move them around if you want to. It's a blessed decision, and it is a rewarded decision. But finally, letter G, this is a God-honoring decision. May the way that we give our faith promise be our heart's desire to honor our Lord, to honor our God for what he has done in our lives. All right? So let's talk about some requirements for faith promise. All right? The first requirement is membership in a local church. Um, Notice that in chapter 8, verse number 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God upon the not people, not individuals, not any name of a person upon the churches of Macedonia. And so this offering needs to be given through a church. Um, That's a very important thing. Uh, Membership in a local church and then giving through the church. Giving through the church. Could I just issue a, a little warning here? If a missionary ever comes to you and says, hey, you know, brother, your church would never support us. Your pastor would never get behind us financially, but we have some real needs. Could you help us personally? Be very careful of that. If your pastor feels that they shouldn't support that missionary, he may know some things that you and I don't know about those people. And if God has led him to not help someone in particular, go talk to your pastor. Now, if he says, well, you know, part of the difficulty here is we have a limited budget. And so if you want to give to that missionary, well, if you want to increase what you're giving, then maybe we could take on another missionary. You know, if, if that would be his desire. Talk to your pastor about those kind of things, however. I have seen so many Christians taken advantage of by missionaries who are really charlatans. I hate to say it. So that's why I encourage you, do your giving through the local church. And then letter C, this is giving above the tithe. So this is not a redirection of your tithe. This is not taking that 10% that you're going to give to the church and say, okay, well, I'm going to give so much you know, to missions and the rest of it. No, your tithe is all to the church. This is above the tithe. Okay? And then last, um, just making a decision as to how much you should give. Going back to verse number 7 of chapter number 9, it says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now on the back page, I've just listed here very quickly 10 things that, pardon me, 15 things that God does not do. These things that are on this list, these are not things that God does, and so don't expect God to do these things, all right? Number one, God doesn't tell someone how to be saved. Okay, can you imagine uh, showing up at your neighbor's house one day and he says, hey, guess what happened last night? I got saved. Oh, really? How did that happen? The Lord Jesus came by, knocked on my door, and he told me what I needed to do. That's not the way that works, okay? The Lord doesn't come back to tell somebody how to be saved. He doesn't teach Sunday school classes, okay? Uh, you're... you're um, Sunday school teachers here, I'm sure they're great. And imagine if Jesus were to come in and say, would you mind if I teach this class? Uh, Wow, okay, but that's not going to happen. So he doesn't teach Sunday school classes. He doesn't preach Bible-based messages. Jesus doesn't invite your friends and family to church. 
uh, you know, if they show up one Sunday, how did you get here? Well, you know, the Lord came by yesterday and told me I should be here. That's not going to happen. He doesn't give in the offerings. Imagine a check signed Jesus Christ. Uh, that's also not going to be put in the offering. It's not the way that works. He doesn't start churches. He doesn't learn a new language to give somebody the gospel. He doesn't go live in a new country as a missionary. He doesn't translate the Bible. He doesn't print and distribute Bibles. God doesn't disciple new believers. God doesn't host a Bible study fellowship. He doesn't join a missionary on a short-term trip. He doesn't provide finances for Christians and needs. But listen to this. God has called you and he's called me to do these things. You see, all these things need to be done. And, and church, there's, there's lots of opportunities. Maybe you're a new member here at Liberty Baptist Church. Can I just tell you that there are many places where you can get plugged in to a ministry here that is now you serving God. Talk to Pastor Matt Tice. Talk to Pastor Tice. Talk to Pastor Neil Berkey. These men will help you to get plugged into the things that God is doing here at Liberty Baptist Church. And so tonight, I want to finish with just this. My friend, who gave me $83,000, invited me to come and preach at his little church. It was a small church, about 35 people. He said, Bill, he said, I want you to come back. I want you to preach for me. And I've got a story I want to tell you. I said, okay. Well, a few months had passed, about six months since he'd given us this money, and, and I went and uh, spoke there at the church, and one day he said, hey, I want to tell you a story. He said, um, you remember that we gave you some money to help you pay off the house? I had to think for, no, I'm just kidding. I was like, yeah, I, I do remember that very well. And he said, well, I need to tell you the rest of the story. I said, okay. He said, see, before I became a pastor, I was a businessman, and as a businessman, I was very successful, and I, I decided to put some money back to purchase the home where my wife had grown up, up in Wisconsin. He said, and it was a very beautiful home. It's a very beautiful home, and I knew the value of the home was about $200,000. So I put $200,000 in the bank that we didn't touch. Um, we, we, we never touched that money. It was specific for buying the home where my wife had grown up. He said, but when we heard about you, I, I went and talked to my wife, and I said, I don't know, what do you think? And we both agreed that God had put on our hearts to give you $83,000. And we thought, okay, this isn't what we had planned, but Lord, if this is your will, then okay, we'll do it. And so we gave it to you. He said, about three months after we gave you that money, they called me from Wisconsin and they said, hey, preacher, we're ready to sell a house. And uh, he said, oh, wow, well, I don't know if we're going to be able to buy it or not. And then they told him, they said, listen, preacher, we've, we've been praying about this. And God has put on our hearts the amount that if we sell it to you, um, we believe God wants us to sell you this house for $117,000. He said, um, did you know how much money we have in the bank? They said, well, well, no. He said, well, and he told them the story of what had happened. And they started crying. And they told him, Pastor, it was in January, as we were praying, 
that God told us, if you sell it to him, it's not for 200 It's for $117,000. He said, that's the same month that you gave that money to that missionary. Many times this pastor has told me, God was testing my faith to see if he could give me two houses for the price of one. Can I tell you that this is something that God blesses? And I want to be where God is blessing. And so I encourage you, church, if you haven't been participating, to participate in Faith Promise. If you already are, would you consider doing maybe just a little bit more and do it by faith? Let's all pray. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.